0: Jeremy, how you doing, sir? I am wonderful, Joey. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I'm stoked to, to talk about a whole bunch of stuff.
1: Yeah, what's, uh, what's life been like uh, shining insurance across the world? Well, you know,
0: it, recently it's been a lot of water type stuff. We had a huge rain recently, five inches in the last 24 hours. And so just having a lot of conversations with our clients about Their coverage what they do have what they don't have how that will work and um i I enjoy talking through claims with people i i I mean claims are a tough part of our life and our the, the work we do and at the same time it's like the time that we're there to shine right so you asked me uh how we're shining and i feel like having talked through a lot of climb scenarios with a lot of folks in the last 24 hours has not been good. That's like the wrong word for it, but has, has been fulfilling, I guess is the right way to say it. Makes you feel like you're alive. Yeah. And reminds you the value of what, what we do and what we're up to and how we're trying to change people's perspective on what insurance is and just, I don't know, contribute to each other's lives. Like everyone who calls in and has something going on could be me, could be my mom or dad, you know, and that's, how I try and treat it and how I try and have the conversation.
1: Yeah. You know, that's, that's it, an interesting approach that it's interesting to, to kind of hear what part of the insurance process people, you know, enjoy some, some like it all, some like some, some just like really one little specific thing. Yeah. Um, is there, is there a corner of it that really just
0: kind of gets under your skin? It's like, man, I'm just, this is not where I excel. You know, what I'm not good at is, And I just said, I like talking through claims. So maybe this contradicts itself, but some of the empathy stuff, like my team loves sending out stuff for people when they have a birthday or when they have something going on. And like, we're really good at that as an agency. And I love doing that and I'm glad we do it. But when we're sitting around a conference table talking about like what we're going to put in that box and how we're going to get that sent out and sort of what kind of wrapping, like my brain, my, you know, just like, shuts down and I just don't, there's something about that side of it that I struggle with a little bit. Um, What I love is systems and explaining things to people, you know? So I love explaining things to people on the front end when we're talking about insurance and they're considering whether to work with Shine or not and in the claims side when they're dealing with, you know, how well their policy is going to take care of them. I love systems in like, I don't like telling my team what to, like if I have to tell somebody to do something, I feel like it's a failure. (laughs) Like I want, I want it all to just work, you know? Um, So those are the things I love or the communication and the systems and the things I don't, I'm just not as good at like planning a booth for a event. I just, there's something about it that doesn't work.
1: Yeah. And no, I mean, there's only so many table skirts you can look at before things just really get, uh, get a little too out of control for sure. Um,
0: yeah. And, and that, that particular example, forcing people to talk to me is also something I just can't stand. I mean, even <laughs> when I go to networking events, like I, I tend yeah. to be the one that stands in the corner. Now, if you get me talking about systems or podcasting or YouTube or the things I love, then you, it's hard to get me to stop, but you know, having well,
1: those. Yeah. Well, you know, so what's interesting is we met briefly, very briefly at uh-huh. uh, IAOA and, uh and I don't, and it was, it's actually a shame because it was towards the end of the conference. And yeah. um yeah, I guess it would have been you, me, and maybe two other people if we could have like a little podcasting corner of like just, you know, just people to hang out with and talk podcasting and stuff. But yeah. um I guess we should have done a better job organizing that, Jeremy. What were we thinking?
0: <laughs> well, we're doing it right now. You know, we're going to sit here and nerd out on it right now. I, it's funny how much podcasting comes up in conversations and not with other podcasters necessarily, but just as a talk trigger for, you know, my business for Shine. When you're at a networking meeting or whatever, it just seems like people enjoy wrapping their mind around something that f- I guess feels new or different, although. I mean it's just recorded audio you know all we're doing is talking into a microphone like people have done for what over 100 years probably
1: it's it's a long time it's just the delivery method and the ability to the access of the people that you have and the 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 specificity of the content i guess that i think has really changed
0: yeah i had so my grandpa had a uh, a room in the garage like lots of our grandparents did and in that room was this huge board Um, this audio board, as it turned out. And he had one of those big antennas that went up from the side of his house and was probably like four stories tall. And he would go out there at night and turn it on and start talking. And, you know, it probably went four blocks or something like that. And all his buddies would get on and listen to his radio show. And it was like a whole thing. And I remember as a kid going out there and, and really seeing that and thinking it was just the coolest thing in the world. And now here we are with our computers doing kind of the same thing. That's intense. I like that. He's like, that's the first, like, I'm going to do it myself situation. Yeah. Um, 1950s style. I don't know. That seems about right. Yeah, it's totally 1950s. Exactly. And he was, you know, from World War II, you know, you've got the communication, audio communication. I don't know. I don't know audio history necessarily, but it's been around for a long time. That's right. I didn't tell you you need to come with a full dossier. Of, uh, <laughs> in
1: 1872. Yeah. I, I wanted the whole thing. I wanted the whole thing. If we're going to go to 1950.
0: We might as well do it. You know, you can't go halfway on that. Just, yeah. Just keep going back. Well, now I'm going to find out. I need to know what the first audio communication was. Well, it was probably like Ben Franklin or whatever. So,
1: I mean, that's fascinating. It sounds like, and this, this is weird. It sounds like it's in the blood a little bit. I'm, I'm always curious if that's, that plays into it or not. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, so you actually, you were doing something that I've long kind of been internally conflicted about as to whether or not it would actually pay off. And I'm glad mm. that you exist, Jeremy, and, and that you have proven this to be like a thing because I want more people to know about it because I enjoy podcasting. I just haven't met anybody really that's been successful at it in driving insurance business. Yeah. and And that's kind of one of the things that I wanted to kind of hear from you because the the interesting thing, I mean, tell me, let's go back. Just when did you decide I'm going to do this and how long did it take before you actually uh, start to finish before it became, you know, episode one was live.
0: So when we started Shine Insurance like five years ago, we read a book by Jay Baer and the book is Utility. And I'd suggest if you haven't read any of Jay Baer's work, it's it's great. And his basic premise was really simple as all his books are. He basically said, okay, pick your ideal client, someone who you really want to do business with. And then figure out a way to do something good for them. Like doesn't have to have to do with your industry, doesn't have to do with your product or service. Just do something good for them and make your name associated with it, of course, and good things will happen. And so, my wife Mackenzie and I are ideal clients for the agency uh, on the personal insurance side, are first-time home buyers. We connect with mortgage lenders and realtors as referral sources for that. And on the commercial side, like so many other insurance agents we're pretty generalist in our local area. Uh, But entrepreneurs, young business owners who are trying to build something were our ideal clients. And we had a few conversations like all insurance agents do uh, around a conference table as entrepreneurs are sitting across from us talking about insurance. And then they're talking about um, also, they need an attorney for this or this crazy thing that happened with their money and financial advisors. And we're just in these deep conversations with people about their business with businesses, and they're trusting us with all that information. Some of it very private and and you know, part of the back end of their business. And Mackenzie and I said, you know, how could we obviously not share the details of people's businesses at that level, but if we could have these conversations, on air. So other business owners could hear how business owners are struggling with things, how they're succeeding, how they're failing, how they're, you know, looking at all these different elements of their business. If we could share one of those a week, that would really help business owners. And how could we do that? And so the podcast avenue is something that really, my wife Mackenzie was more into podcasts than I was. Um, She was like, this, that would be great. And so I just started researching it and that was you know, about three years ago and got some audio equipment. And I'm the kind of person that once I get sucked into something, I'm going to figure out how to do it. I'm going to answer all the questions. I'm going to work through the problems. And I mean, first show was probably a month after we came up with the idea, you know, I mean, it's record somebody's voice and I don't want to oversimplify it because I think there is a lot of work behind it and I don't want to pretend there's not. Um, But we put it together and we got that first episode out. And then for the la- the first year, year and a half, we were doing like one a month. I mean, it really wasn't that much. And then uh, over the course of 2018, we really said, okay, we're going to do this once a week and really committed to uh, doing it every week. And we put a system in place and and that's how I got everything figured out as to how to do it. And now I've been sharing with other people, you know, here's how I do it. Here's how I think you can do it. Um, in the simplest way possible. So now we have about 60 episodes out um, and you know it's just become this living thing and it's really drawn business in. And I don't even think I've necessarily tried that hard. I think that you can do a lot better than we have as far as making it a funnel, bringing business in from the work you're doing. But it really started back at the very beginning when we said, well, let's just do something good. And in this case, it was let's do something good for entrepreneurs or people starting up their business,
1: yeah, was, I was—I kind of was curious as to you kind of touched on it a little bit what changed when you made that dedication to, to do it. You know, once a week, fifty-two episodes in the year. Um, it, was there a moment like you said you're not necessarily trying all that hard. How do you keep it focused to the people that you want to write business with? Uh, because it is, from what I can tell, just a general business podcast. Now, a lot of these people that you're having on the episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, local within, like, do people know who these people are within the area?
0: Yeah. Um, is that, is that, is that a big draw? Yeah. So I think, you know, when you're deciding what to do your podcast on, it's, it's less, you know, if you want to become big on the iTunes charts, that's a different conversation. And that's not the conversation I'm trying to suggest. Mm -hmm. I think it's less about the listener and more about the guest. So when you decide what you want to do, let's, you know, if you have a niche, Well, even if you don't have a niche, if you don't have a niche, if you're a generalist, then your niche is probably your town, the town you're in, certainly the state you're in. And so how could you create a list of your 20 ideal clients, you know, 20 to 30 ideal clients? These are the people I would love to work with. If it's in your niche, then obviously they should have businesses in your niche. If it's just in your town, then maybe it's people who are thought leaders in your town or who are influencers in your town. And make a list of those people and then take a look at their social media profiles. If they've done any audio work before, if they've been on a show, listen to it, see if they sound good and then put, you know, the highest up people, the people who you really want to have your show on your show at the, at the highest point. And then you just reach out, you know, And, and I think the guest piece is the most important part. That's who you're trying to bring down the funnel is the person you're sitting across from for 45 minutes and talking with who's going to now have a deeper relationship with you, who's going to appreciate the work that you did by putting this really nice show out and, you know, pushing it out on social media and sharing their business, what they do and all that kind of stuff. Um, and now you've really primed the, the relate, the relationship for connecting on that insurance level a little bit deeper. Um, you know, we, we both listened to Brandon Smith's presentation about being a baseball coach and uh, the basic premise there was the exact same. Do good work. In that example, he was the coach of a baseball team. Do it really well. Be a great coach, you know, advocate for your kids and make sure the parents know that you're doing well. And then don't be afraid to connect on the insurance side on the back end. It's not selfish to be amazing and help people out. And then As a side product, gain new clients, you know?
1: That's what I want to dive into a little bit. What's the conversation? What are some of those tracks? Like what, how are people approaching you for business? How are you approaching them? What are those conversations? What's that pivot from, I listen to the podcast to, I need you to sell me insurance.
0: I mean, it, it depends on the person, obviously, but a lot of times I don't create the pivot. Um, I continue the conversation with the, the guest. Uh, I just sent out an email yesterday to a guest I had, and he's a, a pretty well-known individual in town. And there's another well-known individual in town that I know he is friends with, and both of them have been on the show. And the other person's sh- episode is doing a lot better. It's getting more listens than this person i was focusing on so i sent him an email and this email is one i have it's kind of a formal or a uh, a form letter that i've created and it's funny and it kind of pits him against the other person is like oh man his episode's doing so well and while yours is doing fine it's not doing as well as his but you're you know i'll tell you a secret you're kind of you know you're a better than he is you know so you create this competition between them and add you know and then I saw today on social media he popped that episode that we recorded a couple months ago out did I pitch insurance no am I continuing to make the connection so that the next time he thinks about insurance next renewal that comes up he's like you know I have this new connection with Jeremy haven't given him the opportunity maybe it's time I think that's the funnel, and, and I do stuff that's a little more formal than that, and I can talk about that, but I think that's probably the most, the, the scenario that happens the most often where I do get the business. Um, I've had many guests who contact me later and say, hey, let's talk about insurance. Um, I have some pivot emails, you know, where, and I have a, it's set up in my CRM where, you know, once a month, the person who I had on the guest list comes up in my CRM. And my CRM basically just says, where are you at with this one? And then I can look at my form letters, the ones that I've sent out um, and decide whether I want to send something. Someone who's into automation could definitely just automate that process. And that could work great for me. I, I want the trigger. I want the decision making. And then I've got my form letters. I pop out the one that makes the most sense and do the follow up sequence. And I have one that words sort of that transition, "Hey, we've established this great relationship. If you ever have any insurance needs, please let me know. Here's some of the other people I've helped out, maybe a testimonial at the bottom." Um, I don't use that one a ton cuz I don't know, it feels kind of salesy to me, but I think that's each different person's personality and perspective on how to connect with people.
1: Are you kicking around the idea to maybe start doing cuz I think you I think you're, you you you've Built out a little bit of a studio. Do you have people come in-house to do it or will you do remote interviews or how, what's your
0: process? Uh, I do both. So we built a studio in our agency, which was great. And then that fostered a local not-for-profit that is a, an incubator for tech companies called the Dimension Mill. They contacted me when they were building their space and they said, we want to build a podcast studio. Would you help us? And long story short, we ended up, uh, Shine Insurance ended up paying for and sponsoring the uh, podcast studio at, that, at the, that incubator. So now small businesses of all kinds are using that studio space. And we've ultimately shut down our studio at, at the agency because that one's better and I like it more. And that puts me in the position to be around a bunch of other business owners um, and make those connections and network. And so I'm actually training people to podcast at that studio once a week and I just met a new person who's a great potential client who I just taught how to podcast. So it's grown like, you know, obviously that just grew organically and it happened, but it happened by having this podcast, bringing people on starting to build uh, this snowball around something that's cool to talk about. And then more and more people, especially as podcasting is getting more and more popular are like, Hey, I want to learn how to do that. Or I want to come on your show so it's starting to have a networking culture of its own.
1: Yeah. And so I was curious, have you thought of, um, have you thought of adding um, some video to the mix? Are you,
0: is that in the works to start filming some of the episodes? So I don't know if you've ever watched Joe Rogan's podcast, but I, I feel like that's the best way to do video yeah. and podcasting, right? You've got, if you have two people on the show, then you've got your audio set up. And then you have a camera that's facing one, you have a camera that's facing the other, and then you have a third camera that's sort of set back that shows both of them from a profile. Um, I would love to record conversations in that way and then have the, the camera angles. You know, if one person's talking, then the camera is on them. If the other person's talking, the camera's on them. And then once in a while, it backs out. Um, would be awesome. And I've got a great YouTube channel that, uh, you know, has a lot of traction and I'm happy to talk about that channel, but I would love to visual, you know, create the visual podcast element for, for me, like it's enough tech to get the podcast part. Right. And so adding the video part hasn't, um, hasn't been something I've felt was valuable enough to do. You know, if I had a national podcast or something like that, or if I was really going for listeners, you know, like growth of listeners more than anything else, then maybe that would have a little bit more value to me. But again, the, the podcast, the biggest thing is like bringing those guests on and stuff like that. And so video I find actually intimidates a lot of people, um, especially people who have not been on audio before, you know, many times before they're already nervous about talking on a microphone Then you put a camera in front of them and it just escalates those nerves and sometimes can make for a worse conversation um so yeah i would love to do video but those are the reasons why i haven't
1: yeah and and uh, i appreciate you um picking up my segue jeremy to uh youtube because that's kind of i i i'm gonna guess this is just a guess i'm i want to say the youtube channel is driving more business and it's probably one of your your secret successes. I don't know if it's really a secret, but um, it's it's pretty impressive. And I I'm curious as to how it's working. What your what what uh, what is working the best, and just the overall thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. So the YouTube channel is awesome. Like, a, really, a lot more success than I ever thought from the YouTube channel. I started it by just thinking, okay. People ask us questions as insurance agents all the time, right? They email us these questions or they call us on the phone and they ask these questions and we answer them. And like, you know, whether my uh, auto insurance covers a rental car is a question that I answer 10 times a week, you know, or whatever it is. And so I was like, well, maybe I can create videos and simply answer those questions. And so then I can point people to the video. Now, I don't just point people to the, I don't say, well, I'm not going to answer that question for you, but you can listen on YouTube or watch on YouTube. But uh, I do answer the question to say, if you want a more detailed description, here's a link to my YouTube channel. And so I started doing that. And what I found was that a lot of people who weren't my clients started listening and watching those videos. And that started to snowball a little bit. And my YouTube channel was starting to grow a little bit. And then it went back to that u- utility book I read by Jay Bear. I said at the beginning of this conversation that the two sets of ideal clients I have are entrepreneurs and first-time homebuyers. And I thought, how can I help first-time homebuyers? Because first-time homebuyers are asking me questions all the time, not just about insurance, but about making an offer and how to fix your credit and what happens at closing. And I get I was getting questions about just every element of the first-time home buying experience. And I said, maybe I should create a video that answers all those questions. And so I started interviewing realtors, I started interviewing mortgage lenders. And just getting all those answers. And I kind of put it together into one 20-minute video that was not about insurance, but was about buying a home. And it was the first-time homebuyers tips and advice or something like that. And it was a 20-minute yeah, video. And that video blew up. And people, like right now, it has, I think, four hundred or 500,000 views. And that one video really started to grow the channel. And so it wasn't the insurance videos that were growing the channel. It was this this first time homebuyer stuff. So I just created more and more videos and and interviewed more and more people who are a part of that first time home buying process, and that grew. and And then the insurance videos started growing too because now you've got traction as a channel. Now you know you got one thousand, then two thousand, then three thousand subscribers, and so now when someone search searches an insurance thing you're up there as far as your SEO on YouTube and now your videos are on the top of the insurance side too. And so now if you, you know, a lot of my videos have 30, 40,000 views and, you know, I, I get, it's, it's kind of humbling, right? It's like, I get, I get people writing these comments like, thank you so much. I really didn't understand. And, and now I do. And, so, you know, that's the, the long story of how the, the YouTube channel grew as far as it being a, a true funnel though. Um, it definitely helps. I mean, it helps with existing clients. It helps people do come to me from the, the, the YouTube channel, but I think I help a lot more people with the YouTube channel that are just not even ideal clients, people in completely other states, other countries, even where they're, an- we're answering questions for them. And so, making YouTube a funnel is another level of conversation that I really need to do a better job of, um, how to, how to take those viewers and bring them down the funnel. Um, but as a fairly local insurance agent in Bloomington, Indiana, you know, I'm, I've been happy with kind of the experience that it's created so far.
1: Yes. I was, I was going to ask, do you have anything in place that, that kind of is monitoring the activity that is coming off of YouTube that you get over to your site?
0: Yeah, I definitely monitor the, just like Google analytics and stuff like that. Um, Everything I put on YouTube, I also create a blog post on my site. So there's some SEO activity. You know, we probably get four or 500 hits on our site um, a day uh, on our just shine insurance site. And a lot of that is blog posts, just people reading the posts. And so the, I guess, close ratio on that is pretty low. In fact, we're, uh, updating our site right now and trying to build out that funnel so that I can increase the conversion of, you know, like there's 500 people coming to our site every day. Like who are those people and how do I get them down the funnel? Like that's something I don't have mastered in the way that I should. And that's one of the goals for 2019 for sure.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I was, I was pretty impressed when I saw, saw the, um, just the level of activity engagement across the board there. And I'm a big, I'm a big fan of YouTube as well. So it's always, always nice to have a, have a heart to heart with somebody that, that knows that experience, because um, it's a hard thing if you haven't experienced it for people to kind of understand. And like you said, it only
0: takes um, one video, right? Yeah. I mean, really that one video, I think it takes authentic content first, you know, it's like, and, you know, people ask a lot, like, how do you create good content? And here we are in an industry that is inherently boring, you know, and not that Light interesting. your tongue,
1: Jeremy. How dare you?
0: <laughs> well, I think understanding that is important, right? you know, and it's like, but what we, what we have to say is powerful, right? And, the, and the, the level of what happens if we get things wrong in the insurance world is huge. Like we have a huge effect on people's lives. And yet, they don't want to hear about it and so how to balance that is a struggle that that I think anyone in our industry has when they're trying to create content. And so I think my advice is is one be authentic, but two find that ideal client. Decide who your ideal client is. Name that person if you have to. You know, if you have two or three that's fine, but know who that ideal client is. And if you're not sure who that is, think about who your favorite people are to work with. You know, who comes in and just you love working with them. They're profitable, and you know the relationship is great. Like, who are those people? And what would happen if you had a hundred of just that person, that ideal client? Okay, well, let's start the process by creating some content for them that's helpful to them. What's that going to be? You know, how can you help them? I don't know what the answer is. I, I'm trying the best I can to just help the people that I think are my ideal clients. But if that's your intention, is finding that ideal client. And just helping them in you any way you can, authentically. And content is a great way to do it. Videos on YouTube, you, podcasting, um, you know, funny memes or things on Instagram. Whatever content you can create, you know, infographics on how to do the thing, whatever it is that could help them. These are all things that help out your ideal client, and ultimately, your ideal client is going to appreciate that. And when they think about insurance whether that's how they connected with you in the beginning or not, then they're going to come to you.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it is that connection, right. And and that authenticity, that's hard because um, it doesn't come natural. So I guess I want to, I want to kind of start to wrap things up with this is how, sure. how natural of this. I mean, obviously we touched on your grandfather, you know, just, doing a little pirate radio action. I mean, so there's some, Mm. some sort of base DNA in there, but like, was this something that felt natural to you or was this just strictly the best way to do good stuff at, at a, at a bigger scale?
0: Well, I think it's definitely something that felt natural. I was an elementary school teacher for 13 years before becoming an insurance agent. So, you know, communicating and talking is something that was a part of what I did before. Um, and so that works really well for me. Um, so that connected the medium. Um, I, I think when we're creating that content, it comes back to, you know, you, you know, who your ideal client is now, and you're trying to figure out what you want to create. It is about like who you are as a person, you know, what are you into? What do you do? Well, if talking I was going to say, if talking in public isn't what you like to do, then podcasting maybe isn't, but that, I think that's not true. The cool thing I, about podcasting is definitely you're talking true. to yourself. <laughs> like, <laughs> <It's not true. laughs> I think a lot of great podcasters don't like to talk in public Yeah. because, you know, I don't know where you are, but I'm standing in my office by myself. Right. And, uh, I can hear myself only in my headphones. And so, um, I think it's actually a fairly introverted act podcasting, strangely enough. Right. Yeah, the biggest fear
1: you have is hitting publish, right? That's the hardest part of the podcast. I mean, after you've recorded, yeah. I mean, it's not hard recording it because you're, it's just you in a room by yourself talking to your four walls. And, and yeah, pe- they're, they're actually talking to an audience is an entirely different skill set that people assume you have mm-hmm. because you talk into a microphone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's so exciting about this medium is is that you can be a lot of different kinds of person and do it well. And for someone who struggles, I, I struggle at networking things, you know, like I said, unless we're talking about podcasts, I'm like finding the corner. Um, but I love talking on a microphone. There's something about it. That's great. And so back to the answer uh, to your question though, I I think it is when you're creating content, it's about what connects best with you. If you don't want to be on a screen, you know, if you look at my, my YouTube channel, while there are a couple of videos that I'm, You know, in front of a camera. And I think most of those videos are pretty crummy. Most of my videos are screen recordings of a PowerPoint presentation. So the only thing on screen is my voice. And those videos are doing great, you know. And so even on the YouTube side, you don't have to put yourself in front of a camera to do it well.
1: Some of the things I'm curious about as somebody that has had probably been able to attract more attention than most in the industry when it comes to creating content, what, what is, what is next? Like, what is the thing that you don't think you quite have mastered or where do you need to go next to really get to the level that you're kind of going for?
0: It's the funnel. It's the, you know, you create this content and you put time and energy into making it authentic. And making it work for people and making it valuable to, to their lives. And then you put it out there and it gets some traction and maybe people enjoy it. Maybe they don't, you know, so I guess figuring out what people like and people don't has been a struggle getting that feedback. You know, I think, you know, you're having success when people start telling you what you're doing wrong. because. You know, people don't just naturally do that. And so when someone comes up and says, man, I love this show. It was awesome. You know, um, here are the things that were great. I would love it if you did and then say something different. Like, yes, that means someone cares enough to listen and then take it to the next step of telling you, you know, what's not working. And when you start getting feedback, whether, and this is true, whether it's inside of your agency with, you know, how you're selling policies or servicing policies or treating your team like feedback is so key. And I think that I have a lot, I have a lot to learn with, with getting that feedback. So I think I just changed topics there, but feedback is one. And then the funnel is the other. So I've created this great content for you. I've made your life better. We've done something to really help you out in the world that you exist in. Um, Hey, if you have an insurance need, and I know you do because we all do. And you know, um, we would love to have an opportunity to show you what we can do on the insurance side. And I have not been as good at, um, confer converting the content into, oh, it's not a hard sell. It's just a, like people do it really well. And it's, it's kind of beautiful how people transition from the content to asking people to consider you for their insurance needs. Like, you know, you're going to take great care of them. So why not ask them? I think I've struggled with that piece. It just feels always been resistant to feeling salesy. And I, I I mean, that that's fine. Like that's a fine thing to feel, but sometimes you've got to reach out and you got to say, Hey, I'd love to have the opportunity to write your business. You know,
1: Yeah, if you could, if you could, for, for everybody out there that, that hasn't dipped their toe, um, what's the one thing that they could do right now to, start in whatever medium, whether it is writing the articles, jumping on a video, recording a podcast, like what's the one thing that, uh, that may be a big mind shift for them to get them started?
0: Well, I think it's the one we all have. And that's perfection, like wanting perfection. You know, I think it's, it's, it, you know, I hear this from from lots of people and maybe it's a little cliche, but you just have to do it. Like if you look at my YouTube channel, there is some terrible videos on there. And if you look at anybody's successful YouTube channel and go far enough, there are some terrible videos on there. If you look at somebody's blog that's blowing up and go back to the beginning, there are some terrible blog posts. And if you look at somebody's podcast, there are some awful conversations. It has to start somewhere and it it can start with planning it can start with putting things together there's nothing wrong with that but if you're getting to a point in your idea process where it's just like oh man i just can't do it because it's not right i think that's the block right it's like well then what can you do to do it not right like you know podcasting you know get a 70 dollars microphone plug it in and have a conversation with one of your ideal clients about the topic that you think might be cool to create a podcast about. Take the time to figure out how to host it online and put it out to iTunes. Like that all is going to take a little bit of time and energy, but then that first episode is out and then make a second one. And, you know, I think there's some stat like 60% of podcasts only get through seven episodes and before Mm -hmm. they stop, you know, like get to 10 And then, you know, figure out what's working, what's not, you know, how to say like less on the microphone or, you know, how to say, um, less, you know, then you start to refine. I think in anything, doing it and then refining and then analyzing and then doing it and then whatever the order was off there, but you get what I'm saying.